Chapter 26 of The Dark Uzzer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rebecca. The Dark Uzzer by Stanley G. Weinbaum. Chapter 26 The Depths. Heaven and hell always were the same place, said Nicholas Devine his red eyes glaring down at the girl. We'll demonstrate the fact. Pat shifted wearily and sat erect, passing her hand dazedly across her face. She brushed the tangled strands of black hair from before her eyes and stared dully at the room in which she found herself. It had some of the aspects of a study and some of a laboratory or perhaps a doctor's office. There was a case of dusty books on the wall opposite, and another crystal-fronted cabinet containing glassware, bottles, little round boxes suggestive of drugs or pharmaceuticals. There was a paper-littered table, too. She gave a convulsive shudder at the sight of a bald, varnished death's head, its lower jar articulated, that reposed on a pile of papers and grinned at her. Where? She began faintly. This was the room of your sweetheart's father, said the other. His and my mutual father. He was an experimenter, a researcher, and so, in another sense, am I. He leered evilly at her. He used this chamber to further his experiments, and I for mine, the carrying on of a noble family tradition. The girl scarcely heard his words. The expressionless tone carried no meaning to the chaos which was her mind. She felt only an inchoate horror and a vague but all-encompassing fear, and her head was aching from the blows he had dealt her. "'What do you want?' she asked dully. "'Why, there is an unfinished experiment. You must remember our interrupted proceedings of a week ago. Have you already forgotten the early steps of our experiment in evil?' Pat cringed at the cold, sardonic tones of the other. "'Let me go.' she whimpered. Please, she appealed. Let me go. In due time, he responded. You lack gratitude, he continued. Last time, out of the kindness that is my soul, I permitted you to dull your senses with alcohol, but you failed, apparently, to appreciate my indulgence. But this time, his eyes lit up queerly, this time you approach the consummation of our experiment with undimmed mind. He approached her. She drew her knees up, huddling back on the couch, and summoned the final vestiges of her strength. I'll kick you, she muttered desperately. Keep back from me. He paused just beyond her reach. I had hoped, he said ironically, if not for your cooperation, at least for no further active resistance. It's quite useless. I told you days ago that this time would come. He advanced cautiously. Pat thrust out her foot, driving it with all her power. Instantly he drew back, catching her ankle in his hand. He jerked her leg sharply upwards, and she was precipitated violently to the couch. Again he advanced. The girl writhed away from him. She slipped from the foot of the couch and darted in a circle around him, turning in an attempt to gain the room's single exit, the door by which they had entered. He moved quickly to intercept her. He closed the door as she backed despairingly away, retreating to the far end of the room. 
Once more he faced her, his malicious eyes gleaming, and moved deliberately towards her. She drew back until the table halted her. She pressed herself against it as if to force her way still further. The other moved at unaltered pace. Suddenly, her hand pressed over some smooth, round, hard object. She grasped it and flung the grinning skull at the more terrible face that approached her. He dodged. There was a crash of glass as the gruesome missile shattered the pane of the cabinet of drugs. And inexorably, Nicholas Devine approached once more. She moved along the edge of the table, squeezed herself between it and the wall. Behind her was one of the room's two windows, curtainless, with drawn shades. She found the cord, jerked it, and let the blind coil upward with an abrupt snap. I'll throw myself through the window, she announced with a sort of desperate calm. Don't dare move a step closer. The demon paused once more in his deliberate advance. You will, of course, he said as if considering, given the opportunity. Your body torn and broken, spotted with blood, that might be a pleasure second only to that I plan. You'll suffer for it, said the girl hysterically. I'll be glad to do it, knowing you'll suffer. Not I, your sweetheart. I don't care, I can't stand it. The other smiled his demonic smile and resumed his advance. She watched him in terror that had now reached the ultimate degree. Her mind could bear no more. She turned suddenly, raised her arm, and beat her fist against the pane of the window. With the surprising resistance glass sometimes displays, it shook at her blow but did not shatter. She drew back for a second attempt, and her upraised arm was caught in a rigid grip, and she was dragged backward to the center of the room, thrown heavily to the floor. She sat up dazedly, looking up at the form standing over her. Must I render you helpless again? queried the flat voice of the other. Are you not yet broken, convinced of the uselessness of this struggle? She made no answer, staring dully at his immobile features. Are you going to fight me further? As she was still silent, he repeated, Are you? She shook her head vaguely. No, she muttered. She had reached a point of utter indifference. Nothing at all was important enough now to struggle for. Stand up, ordered the being above her. She pulled herself wearily to her feet, leaning against the wall. She closed her eyes for a moment, then opened them dully as the other moved. What are you, are you going to do? She murmured. First, said the demon coldly, I shall disrobe you somewhat more completely than on our other occasion. Thereafter we will proceed to the consummation of our experiment. She watched him indifferently, uncomprehendingly, as he crooked a thin finger in the neck of her frock. She felt the pressure as he pulled, heard the rip of the fabric and the pop of buttons, but she was conscious of no particular sensation as the garment cascaded into a black and red pool at her feet. She stood passive as he hooked his finger in the strap of her vest, and that too joined the little mound of cloth. She shivered slightly as she stood bared to the waist, but gave no other sign. Again the thin hand moved toward her. From somewhere in her tormented spirit a final shred of resistance arose, and she pushed a questing member feebly to one side. 
she heard a low, sardonic laugh from her oppressor. Look at me, he commanded. She raised her eyes wearily. She drew her arm around her in a forlorn gesture of concealment. Her eyes met the strange orbs of the other, and a faint frill of horror stirred. Other than this, she felt nothing. Then his eyes were approaching her. She was conscious of the illusion that they were expanding, filling all the space in front of her. Their weird glow filled the world, dominating everything. Will you yield? he queried. The eyes commanded. Yes, she said dully. She felt his hands icy cold on her bare shoulders. They traveled like a shudder about her body, and suddenly she was pressed close to him. Are you mine? he demanded. For the first time there was a tinge of expression in the toneless voice, a trace of eagerness. She made no answer. Her eyes, held by his, stared like the eyes of a person in a trance, unwinking, fascinated. Are you mine? he repeated, his breath hissing on her cheek. Yes, she heard her own voice in automatic reply to his question. Mine. For the delights of evil? Yours, she murmured. The eyes had blotted out everything. And do you hate me? No. The arms about her tightened into crushing bands. The pressure stopped her breath. Her very bones seemed to give under their fierce compression. Do you hate me? He muttered. Yes, she gasped. Yes, I hate you. Ah. He twisted his hand into her black hair, wrenching it roughly back. Are you ready now for the consummation? To look upon the face of evil? She made no reply. Her eyes, as glassy as those of a sleepwalker, stared into his. Are you ready? Yes, she said. He pressed his mouth to hers. The fierceness of the kiss bruised her lips. The pull of his hand into her hair was a searing pain. The pressure of his arm about her body was a suffocation. Yet, somehow, there was again the dawning of that unholy pleasure the same degraded delight that had risen in her on that other occasion in the room of the red-checked tablecloth. Through some hellish alchemy, the leaden pain was transmuting itself into the garish gold of a horrible, abnormal pleasure. She found her crushed lips attempting a feeble, painful response. At her movement, she felt herself swung abruptly from her feet. With his lips still crushing hers, he raised her in his arms, she felt herself borne across the room. He paused. There was a sudden release, and she crashed to the hard surface of the couch, whose rough covering scratched the bare flesh of her back. Nicholas Devine bent over her. She saw his hand stretched toward her single remaining garment. And again, from somewhere in her harassed soul, a spark of resistance flashed. Nick! she moaned. Oh, Nick! Help me. Call him, said the other, a sneer on his face. Call him. He hears. It adds to his torment. She covered her eyes with her hands. She felt his hand slip coldly between her skin and the elastic about her waist. Nick, she moaned again. Nick, oh my God, Nick. End of chapter 26 Recording by Rebecca